This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome the group CEO for Air France KLM, Ben Smith, in discussion with Skift Airlines reporter Edward Russell. Ben, uh, thank you for joining us at the Skiff Global Forum today. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. You? Doing well, thank you. We're sorry that you couldn't make it to New York for this. Uh, it, it does seem like in a few weeks you, you could have made it with the, the news that the U.S. is easing travel restrictions. Yeah, you're just a little bit off the timetable. And I see the empty chair there. It's, it's too bad. <laughs> anyway, at least we've got some modern technology that is not as good, which is great because that means I... Uh, me and some of our uh, clients hopefully will feel the same way. <laughs> For sure. And when you heard the news on Monday, how did you, did you, did you celebrate? Did you pop some bubbly or something? <laughs> oh, it was a big surprise. Uh, so I think it was a, a little bit of a pleasant shock uh, to receive that news. Uh, we were expecting and we were hoping that uh, this type of announcement would have come out uh, earlier in the summer. We had strong indications that perhaps in early July or when the uh, German Chancellor went to visit uh, uh, the United States, that those could have been opportune times for this type of announcement. And then when it kept going and going and going without any announcement, we were getting you know, a little worried this was going to go into next year and perhaps the midterm elections would have had an impact. So at the end of the day, it was a great surprise and uh, we're all extremely happy. Oh, I bet you are. You know, Air France KLM, you make, uh, is it 40% of your long haul revenue comes from, from U.S. routes? It's a, it's a big part of your business. Yeah, it's, the, it's our largest market. Uh, we had up to 64 uh, flights a day uh, in 2019. And you know, that dropped as low as uh, we had a very low point. We probably had about four flights, maybe six flights a day. Uh, most of all of them carrying cargo. Then it's gradually ramped up, but we still far away from our peak, and we're hoping to uh, get back to 2019 level as quickly as possible. Well, that's the good news. I mean, some airlines have already started reporting uh, an uptick in bookings for this fall and the winter holidays uh, since the news. Is it, are you seeing anything similar there at Air France? Yeah, I think uh, like all, all carriers, when, uh, when borders open and the restrictions for entry or for departing uh, the country, do, they do ease. Uh, you do see an uptick uh, very quickly. We saw that in Europe this summer uh, when borders uh, restrictions were lifted. We saw a huge surge in bookings. And it's a bit early for the U.S., but already we're seeing, uh, obviously, demand levels go up, particularly for Christmas holiday period. But I would wait a couple of days to, you know, for me to uh, you know, definitely be able to tell you like, what percentage of increase that we've seen. But for sure, I mean, there's people who have been waiting 18 months to either see their clients or their colleagues or see uh, uh, family members, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, we definitely expect that. And I, I, mean, put you, like, I mean, I guess I could ask you a question. Um, you know, do you have European friends that are come see you or colleagues that'll come see you now that this has been lifted? I guess I would, I would, I would guess that your answer would be yes, but you tell me otherwise. 
No, for sure. I definitely have, have a number of friends that have been putting off trips to come visit. You know, it, uh, it, it was quite a shame this summer. I was able to make it to Europe myself, but, uh, you know, no one could, could come this way to, to meet me back. So it, uh, it, I think it's welcome news to a lot of people. You know, one of the, the interesting things as we look uh, next year is, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking there's going to be a surge in this pent-up demand that we've all heard of on, on the transatlantic. You know, Cowan, uh, her other airline analyst, Helen Becker, called it a jailbreak uh, next summer. Do you, do you think we're going to see something along those lines next summer, just, just a surge of travel across the Atlantic? I believe so. Uh, as an example, this past summer, so a few months ago, our, uh, our offering, the number of flights and capacity that we had uh, between France and Greece was actually higher than what we had in August of 2019. Uh, you know, destinations that were open, there is this huge pent up demand for leisure travel and destinations where, uh, you know, there, were, there was big business demand. We did see a, see a big surge. Now, is that temporary because there was pent up demand for 18 months? Will that be sustainable over the short, medium term? To be seen, but definitely uh, in the beginning, this is, uh, this is excellent, very good, uh, very good news for us and a very positive signal. For sure. Now with the U.S. opening, you know, where else are you looking to, to ease travel restrictions? What's the next market that's that, that for the group is, is important that uh, reopens? Well, Europe is, a, I would say, uh, is in reasonably good, uh, uh, in a good position for us. There are a few markets that you know, are still a little bit uh, cumbersome and there's some, you know, there's some specific rules in place which don't make it so easy for, uh, for customers. For us, Africa has been relatively uh, resilient, even though there are uh, there are heavy restrictions in place, our clients seem to uh, seem to put up with those restrictions and find ways uh, to make the trips work. Uh, one of the big, uh, I'd say, worries of customers is if rules change while they're at the destination, and it would cause them you know, problems in getting back or getting back home. So, with the U.S. now open, that's great. We had Canada that opened a few weeks before. Uh, that was a big improvement for us and something that uh, I think uh, gave us a good indication of, of how a long-haul market that's been closed for so long, how customers would react, and we're hoping we get the same thing in the U.S. because Canada was very positive. But South America is a challenge. Uh, we have a lot of restrictions in place in South America, and Asia, of course, is the most difficult. So with Europe, good shape, Africa, resilient, now North America is uh, fully open, are two uh, big markets that... Uh, uh, we're hoping to see, uh, see some improvement in, uh, in, the, in the future would be uh, South America and Asia. I think Asia, we, you know, we, our expectations are quite conservative, uh, but uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how things go over the next, uh, the next few months. For sure. I mean, that's generally what I'm hearing is, is Asia is going to be behind most other markets in reopening. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, just the, the no COVID policies in many countries is, is you know, proving, it seems like it's proving difficult to, to unravel, but we'll have to, to watch that space. Hmm. I just read, I was just reading, uh, you know, a couple of hours ago that uh, one of the Australian uh, ministers in the government made a clear definitive statement that the Australian borders would be open before the Christmas period at the end of December, like very clear. So that's another, I think, big step uh, forward. I mean, that mark was probably the most restrictive of all the, uh, the Western countries over the past year and a half. So that's a great sign. Definitely, for sure. 
you know, so looking at the fall, uh, staying with, with an outlook, you know, the U.S. carriers here were looking forward to a strong fall with business travel returning. You know, then uh, the Delta variant uh, took an impact, you know, took a bite out of that and, and really slowed things down. But I'm starting to hear a, a different story in Europe. You know, what, what is your outlook for the fall? Are things looking better there? Have you seen a Delta variant slow down there? Uh, well, one thing that you know, we've, uh, we've seen since the beginning of this uh, pandemic are uh, booking patterns, booking trends. They, a lot of our customers are booking much closer in. Uh, you know, some markets where we would have had uh, a lot of bookings, say three, four, five months out, now maybe just a few weeks or a month out. So to give, uh, you know, to give you a view on where we're going to be in November or December, uh, I can't give you, a, you know, the answer with clarity that I would have liked to have given you. And we do expect in some markets for there to be a reduction of what we had in the summer because a big portion of our customers were flying for leisure purposes in the summer. And then obviously the U.S. will see a big increase, that's obvious. But business traffic, uh, it's a bit early to see, uh, to see what levels that'll be at. I mean, we are definitely not expecting levels to be at 2019 for Q4. However, we are expecting them to be better than 2020. So you know, where will uh, the numbers come in in between that? I certainly hope they're better than 2020 with all the progress on vaccines and stuff. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so with the, with the Delta variant, I think that I think the standard that we're hoping uh, becomes uh, universal is if you are double vaccinated with some type of a, some type of a vaccine passport that hopefully will become universally recognized, and then in countries that want an extra level of uh, of clarity and certainty, perhaps there's a PCR test required as well. If that can be the extent of what's required to enter a country, and that's uniform and you know, universal across the world, that would be great. Keep it simple for everybody. Definitely. So you mentioned vaccines. You know, it's, it's been a, a popular thing in the media right now to you know, talk about vaccine mandates uh, for companies and, and even to some degree uh, travelers. You know, what, uh, what is your view about vaccine mandates uh, for, for flying, for travel, for, for your cruise? Well, I think the, you know, where we've seen these mandates come in, uh, look, there's, nobody likes to be mandated to do anything, um, but, you know, it's, these vaccines have proven to uh, obviously offer a lot of protection, a significant amount of protection to, uh, to this virus. And there, it's only protection to, you know, to yourself, uh, but also to people around you. And if, uh, if you're flying in, in an enclosed area, despite the uh, fantastic air circulation flows we have in the airplane, I think it gives a lot of people comfort if you've been tested or not tested, but if you have the uh, proof of vaccine you're getting on, it's probably gonna be then one of the most, most safest uh, areas, uh, enclosed areas to be, uh, to be located in. So, um, you know, our position on, on mandates, look, it's a, it's a controversial one. We don't, uh, you know, I don't think we come out uh, with a unique uh, position in the countries in which uh, we have significant operations, so the Netherlands and in France. Uh, we see that in certain countries, uh, some companies, some, some other airlines have mandated it, but it's not something we're doing at, e, at either KLM or at, uh, or at Air France at this uh, moment. Definitely. Now, this is a question that, that's, that's bugged me as, as we've been hearing about all these mandates. Do you think there will be any business impact by, between mandating or not mandating a vaccine for crews? You know, will, do you think travelers really care in the end whether, whether there's a mandate in place? Uh, I think where we sit today is 
um, customers, from what I see and what I hear, is uh, the vaccine passport, if it can be recognized uh, as uh, a universal uh, proof that uh, you are you are either free of the uh, free of the virus or you you have you have a lot of protection. But that is uh, that gives a lot of people comfort. Um, the fact that you wear a mask on board is an extra level of, uh, of protection. So the combination of a vaccine and a mask, I think, is uh, is great. Or if you've had the uh, the virus in the past, but from a mandate perspective, I think people are much more comfortable. Uh, if uh, the majority, if not all, the people on board uh, had been vaccinated, I mean that's normal. Definitely, no, it's definitely nice to know when people are vaccinated in the, in the room that you're in. You know, shifting gears a bit, you kicked off a, a massive transformation plan for Air France KLM in, in 2019. You know, the the goal is to streamline operations. You know, uh, the, the fleet boost revenues. Really, a, a plan for the group going forward. Yeah. The pandemic, of course, changed that. Um, and I, I'm curious, you know, how does that plan uh, stand with, with all of the pandemic changes that have come? I mean, are you, you know, what are you able to do that you weren't able to do before? Uh, well, look, we had, we, we came up with a comprehensive transformation plan that we presented to uh, financial analysts and our shareholders at the end of 2019. So the bulk of that plan uh, still uh, is our base for the future. Um, what it called for was a uh, refinement of the KLM model, which works extremely well, and that is flowing uh, a big portion of our customers uh, over Amsterdam. So those people flying on the KLM, a disproportionate number of those people are connecting, and KLM and Schiphol were pioneers in international uh, in the international transit business. That model works very well, so that we're going to optimize that. Um, on the Air France side, a lot of complexity. Uh, the Air France financial results uh, in the years pre um, pre precedent to uh, 2019 were not great. Uh, so this is obviously not sustainable. Uh, fleet was a big part of the reason. So simplifying the fleet was, uh, was high on the list. Uh, we had a domestic operation which was losing an enormous amount of money. Big, big reason behind that was the introduction of the high-speed rail uh, system high-speed rail network in France over the last 40 years. That's, a, that's basically the number one competitor that Air France has had uh, in that market. Uh, and then not always the best balance between connection and local customers uh, flying into and out of uh, Paris. And with such a huge uh, market to and from France, it is, France is the largest inbound market in the world, travel market in the world. And Air France has an opportunity to capture a larger portion of that home market. And in most cases, uh, connection, customers who are connecting over a hub are lower yielding than those who are originating uh, or destined to that, uh, uh, to that city. So we were uh, on the path to better balancing that out with the right type of aircraft, uh, cleaning up our domestic network. And then one of the key components of improving the Air France uh, performance was an expansion of our low-cost carrier called Transavia. And prior to uh, the crisis, we had a limit on the number of airplanes that could be flown at Transavia. We negotiated with the Air France pilots to have that limit removed. And then we also uh, were able to negotiate a new contract where Transavia could be used on domestic France. So those are two big uh, wins that uh, release and provide uh, 
will release some restrictions that were very, very onerous and provide a new tool for Alphonse to, uh, to turn around uh, the domestic operation. So what Alphonse is, reduce, uh, reduce the number of aircraft types, improve the, or significantly improve the performance on the domestic markets, balance out the flows uh, between uh, origin and destination and connections. And I say the last point is leverage uh, both brands. So the KLM brand is solid, uh, it's 100 years old, we're 101 years old now at KLM. Make sure the KLM brand does evolve to stay relevant in all of our key markets. On the Air France side, the Air France brand is unique. Uh, the Paris market is unique. Uh, we still have a world-renowned La Première uh, first-class product on uh, Air France, which trickles down uh, into uh, the rest of uh, the product offering and how to ensure that this unique French uh, offering can be uh, leveraged to differentiate the Alphonse product from others, and that I believe uh, can be done. For sure. It's a massive program that you undertook, and I'm sure that uh, the, the pandemic has at least let, helped you take some, some costs out of the business. You know, one thing you mentioned that really interests me is, is the, the main competitor was high-speed rail. And I know that you know, with your sustainability uh, goals, you know, the France Sustainable Goals has been sort of to replace the, some short flights with trains. I mean, did, uh, it sounds like that fits with, with some of your, your strategy to, uh, to you know, take costs out, being able to not have to fly those domestic flights. Is that, uh, is that working? Yeah. Well, we've, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're ahead of the rest of Europe in terms of our commitments to reduce our CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. So by 2030, uh, we've committed uh, with, the, with the bulk, if not all, of the European uh, airlines to reduce our emissions by 50%. This is between now and 20, uh, 2030. Um, then uh, what we've got in domestic France, we've committed to reducing our CO2 emissions by 50% between uh, now and up to 2024. Um, so that is a, that's a big, big uh, difference between 2024 and 2030 for France domestic. Uh, we've also um, committed to uh, canceling or removing all of our flights uh, in domestic France where there's a high-speed train option of two hours and 30 minutes. So we've done that already. Some of the uh, some examples of the markets would be uh, Bordeaux to, uh, to Paris or Nantes to Paris uh, or Lyon to Paris. These are three examples. We are going to continue to keep those cities uh, linked to uh, Roissy Airport for long-haul connections, but to Orly Airport, which is the main domestic airport in Paris, we've uh, replaced, or we've uh, canceled all those flights, and, we, and the, uh, the only way now to get to those cities is uh, either via train or, uh, or uh, driving. Um, and that, uh, that seems, to be, uh, seems to be accepted by the marketplace. Uh, it's, a, it's a big change for us, but we have made some strong uh, commitments, and of course, we're going to live up to them. No, that's fantastic. You know, we're running low on time, but I did want to ask you a bit about the group's sustainability plans. You mentioned uh, you know, 2030 is a big target for you. Uh, you have net zero emissions by 2050 as a goal, including sustainable aviation fuels, more efficient aircraft, a lot of things. You know, what I was wondering, what you could maybe leave us with, is, is what is the most interesting part of, the, of Air France KLM's uh, climate goals that, that you're excited about? Is it electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft? Are it sustainable fuels? What, 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 you know, what, are, what excites you? Um, well, I think all of that. Uh, what is, I mean, 
the one, uh, what is totally in our control uh, from an Air France KLM perspective is the decision on what aircraft we're going to fly, uh, which aircraft we replace, uh, and at what speed. That is under our full control. Uh, you know, sustainable aviation fuels or synthetic fuels, uh, we, <laughs> we're, supportive, we're supportive of that. We'll do everything we can uh, to, uh, to be part of um, the, the development and the increased use of, of uh, those types of fuels. But of course, we do not control uh, the production or the, uh, the investment or the storage of, the, of fuels like that. So that is a, that's, that's a little bit more difficult for us. And then the technology and the research and development of what you've just described in terms of alternate, uh, you know, alternate ways of powering um, airplanes. Of course, we, uh, we will support and will be part of, uh, will be part of the development of such, uh, such new technology. But again, this is uh, not something we fully control. But on the, the first element which I brought up, which is the new aircraft, we've made um, significant uh, decisions, significant decisions to, uh, to invest in new airplanes. So we have uh, almost 100 new airplanes on order, next generation. We have 60 Airbus A220 Series 300 aircraft on order. The first one arrives next week. Uh, this is the most uh, technological and uh, environmentally friendly airplane of its size. So it's a huge investment. These airplanes will be used throughout Europe and domestic France, and we'll be receiving the 60 airplanes over a four-year period. We also ordered 38 uh, Airbus A350-900 airplanes. We've received uh, about one-third of those uh, of the uh, the order. We'll be receiving the rest of those aircraft by uh, the uh, by the end of 2025. So another big. Uh, commitment for our long-haul flights. That is, both those aircraft are on the Air France side. We have exited the Air France A380s as well as the A340s. So we are moving as quickly as we can while being as financially responsible as possible to ensure that we don't, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't put the company into such a difficult position financially that we can't, we can't continue. But this is, uh, this is what, what we have in control. On the KLM side, we We've pulled out all of our 747s, they are out, and we are moving toward a uh, 777-787-only fleet, uh, which will make the KLM fleet probably one of the most efficient uh, in Europe. We have uh, the 787-10, uh, KLM was one of the launch customers for that, and the, uh, those airplanes are continuing to be delivered. Well, that's really exciting, you know, especially congratulations to the first A220. That's, uh, you know, I've, I've flown it a few times myself and it's a great plane, but that's uh, a lot of exciting fleet plans. As an av geek, I, I look forward to seeing uh, some of those planes flying. Yeah. Well, Ben, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. Unfortunately, our time is up. Uh, hopefully, we can see you this side of the Atlantic very shortly. I imagine you're, you're looking forward to the same as well. Yes, for sure. I look forward to seeing you in person. Great. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.